0: Welcome to A Beggar Who Found Bread. I'm Brad Alexander, your host and resident beggar who found bread. And I just want to let others know where I found it. This episode, Midnight Oil. And that was a great tune by Petra from a few decades ago. And actually, it was the first song drummer Louis Weaver used a double bass drum on. So look at that. You're learning stuff already. Also, lead singer John Schlitt, yeah, he still has not been able to get himself out of the pants that he wore back then. Oh, my goodness. It would take the jaws of life to get him out of those things. Yeesh. That was just inappropriate. Anyway, I actually thought about using the band Midnight Oil as the music lead-in for those who listen on the Anchor podcast platform and get that added feature. Eh. Midnight Oil was eh, kind of a one-hit wonder band out of Australia. And, of course, me calling them a one-hit wonder spurs angry comments like, One-hit wonder? You don't know what the blah-blah you're talking about. They have blah-blah gold records and blah-blah more talented than blah. So, anyway, that's why I didn't use them. Because I didn't want to hear all that stuff. But their one-hit, Beds Are Burning, actually is a catchy little ditty. Anyway... I digress. On with the episode, Midnight Oil. Messiah, Yeshua, Christ Jesus, often spoke in parables. They were simple stories with profound truths. And he taught this way so that people with eyes to see and ears to hear would understand what he was saying. In Matthew 25 is one such parable. It's commonly called the parable of the ten virgins, and I'm going to go ahead and read it. Yeshua is speaking here. This is Matthew 25, starting at verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins, who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. For when the foolish ones took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise ones took oil in jars along with their lamps. Now, while the bridegroom was taking a long time, they all got drowsy and started falling asleep. But in the middle of the night, there was a shout, Look, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. Now, the foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, since our lamps are going out. But the wise ones replied, No, There won't be enough for us and for you. Instead, go to those who sell and buy some for yourselves. But while they were going off to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast. And the door was shut. Now later, the other virgins came, saying, Sir, sir, open for us. But he replied, Amen, I tell you, I do not know you. Therefore, stay alert, for you know neither the day nor the hour. So there's a lot to unpack in this parable, and we won't have time to cover all the layers to it. If you check out the episodes White Wedding and The Waiting is the Hardest Part, they touch on some aspects of this parable and the wedding feast of the Lamb. So when you get time, check those out. Where I want to focus uh, in this parable is on the lamps, the light, and the oil. Because these ten virgins, bridesmaids, many call them, are invited to the wedding. All ten are invited. All ten know that the bridegroom will come for the bride, and these bridesmaids, virgins, must be ready when he arrives. No one knows the day or the hour. The return of the bridegroom is referring to when Messiah returns. Again, listen to the White Wedding episode for more on that. These virgins, bridesmaids in this parable, represent Israel. Jew and grafted in Gentile through Messiah Yeshua. Now the reason I say this, and I believe is backed up by scripture. One, Yeshua said in Matthew 15... That he came only for the lost sheep of Israel, which are represented by ten tribes. If you recall, Israel was split into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom, Israel, had ten tribes. The southern kingdom, Judah, had two, Judah and Benjamin. Both kingdoms were unfaithful to God. But he declared in Jeremiah 3 verse 8 that he divorced Israel, hence the lost sheep of Israel, those ten tribes, hence the ten virgins in this parable. Now, as for the grafted in Gentiles, it is commonly held that we belong to the tribe of Ephraim, of the northern kingdom, Israel. This is because... Joseph had two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, with his Egyptian, non-Hebrew, non-Israelite wife. So they were not completely of the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But Jacob took these two, Ephraim and Manasseh, as his own sons, not grandsons, which they were because he was Joseph's father and these were Joseph's sons. But Jacob took them as his own sons, thus numbering them with the tribes of Israel, though they were of the Goyim, the nations, the Gentiles. So I, I hope you're tracking on that, but please study it out for yourself. Study to show yourself approved of God. Dig in and study it, please. I'm just a beggar who found bread. So back to this parable. These ten virgins represent Israel, Jew, and grafted-in Gentile, who have been invited to the wedding of the ages. All ten are invited. All ten know the bridegroom will return. All ten have lamps. But only five have light. And why is that? I'm so glad you asked. Looking at the lamps, the light, and the oil, first of all, The lamps, what are they? Look at Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 23. It says, For the mitzvah is a lamp, Torah, a light, and corrective discipline, the way of life. The mitzvah is a lamp. So what does mitzvah mean? It means commandment. The commandment is a lamp. So all ten had the commandment. For the mitzvah is a lamp, Torah is a light, and corrective discipline, the way of life. So what is the light? It says right there. Torah, a light. Torah, the law, is a light. Well, so hold on a second. What's the difference between a commandment and the law? Once again, I'm really glad you asked. Commandments are specific imperative instructions from God typically revealed through a messenger, an angel, a prophet, or his son, Messiah, Yeshua. A law is any instruction from God, be it labeled a commandment or not. Think of the law of sowing and reaping, the law of tithing, the law of fasting, chastity. They may not have commandment attached to them, but they are law. Further, a law is is an eternal truth. For example, he is God and he cannot lie. Amen? Amen. That's an eternal truth. It's not a commandment, but it is law. It is an eternal truth. He is God and he cannot lie. Additionally, law can be a collection of commandments and instructions. For example, the law of Moses, commonly called Torah. And one other thing to keep in mind, the word Torah also means teaching. So, the commandment is a lamp, and the law, Torah, a light. They all had lamps, but only five had light. They all had the commandment, But only five reflected the teaching. So what were those other five missing? That they had lamp but no light. They were missing the oil. So, what's the oil? First of all, no. This is not a confirmation of the importance of essential oils by doTERRA or Young Living. I just want to make that perfectly clear. Though I'm sure at some point... (laughs) At some presentation, someone tried to make the connection. See? You can't even get into heaven without your essential oils. Not only do they remove aneurysms and heal cancer, but, I mean, they get you to the promised land, ladies. Am I right? Sorry. That was terrible of me. All right. Forgive me for that. Anyway. But you know I'm right. (laughs) Okay. And they're dead wrong if they said that. At any rate, often in Scripture, oil is used as a reference for the Holy Spirit. Now, I believe the oil in this parable is an aspect of or a specific work of the Holy Spirit. Not speaking of the Spirit as a whole, but a specific work that He does. Leviticus 24 and verse 2. Order B'nai Israel to bring to you pure olive oil beaten for the light to keep a lamp burning continually. Order the children of Israel to bring you pure olive oil beaten for the light to keep a lamp burning continually. The oil is the desire to obey. You see, if you have the commandment, the lamp, but you have no desire to obey it at all, oil, you will not project or reflect the law of God, light. When you have the commandment and the desire to obey the law of God, it goes forward as a light. Also, remember where the oil comes from. It comes from olives, which are the fruit of the olive tree. And we remember what Yeshua said about fruit and trees. You will know them by their fruit. Olives are pressed. They are beaten to get the oil out, which to me sounds like work. It sounds like discipline. It sounds like discomfort and possibly even pain. And I believe it is the desire to obey the oil, not obedience, because... The desire leads to the action, but there are times we all fall short, though it is our desire to obey and praise God for his mercy, grace, forgiveness, and patience, and that he restores us when we fall short. So it is the desire to obey And that desire to obey only comes from loving Adonai Elohim, the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and might. If it is not motivated by His love, it is not a true desire to obey. One motivated, one not motivated by the love of God and a love for God is looking for a quid pro quo. Looking for, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. If I do A and B, then God will do C. And it's an exchange. It's not a relationship. And nope, that's not how it works. The motivation is to be exactly what Yeshua said. The law and the prophets hang on two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might. And love your neighbor as yourself. Those two lead the way to obedience to the Torah. Remember, the scriptures say, if you delight yourself in Adonai, the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, the prosperity preachers mangle that passage to basically say, if you go to church, God's going to give you all the stuff you want. Whatever your heart desires, pass, no. That is not what that scripture says. And man, it is dead wrong to say that. That is not what that passage says at all. God is not a genie in a bottle. See, remember, the scriptures pretty clearly and pretty well spell out that the heart of man is deceptive. So why would God want us to have the desires of our heart? No, if we delight ourselves in him, which is to draw near to him in worship, in prayer, and in the study of his word, as we delight ourselves in him, then he gives us the desires of our heart. He will put the right desires in our hearts. He gives them to us. So what would those desires be? Loving him first and foremost and loving our neighbors. Caring for the poor, the needy, the widow, and the orphans. The desire to obey him. Remember, five had the commandment, the desire to obey, and the light went forth illuminating their way. Five had the commandment, the lamp, no desire to obey, no oil, and they had no light. There was no reflection of the law of God in their lives. They wanted to borrow oil from the wise. But listen, there wouldn't have been enough for both of them. They would have all missed the return of the bridegroom. And the truth here is, you can't borrow someone else's desire or motivation. It has got to be yours, inspired by God's love. And you also can't buy it. There are no shortcuts. The five foolish tried, but they still came up short. And they showed up late to the wedding and they were told, I do not know you, by the bridegroom. The desire to obey God again is driven by our love for him. It's a yearning to know him better and how he wants us to live. The Apostle Paul said, The love of Christ compels us. I love this passage. 2 Corinthians five fourteen 14 and 15. For the love of Messiah compels us, since we have concluded that one died for all, as a result, all died. And he died for all, so that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. Hallelujah. As I have often said, our obedience is how we respond to his great love for us. A love so great he did not spare his son. He provided the sacrifice for our sin, the spotless lamb of God, Messiah, Yeshua. His son, crucified, that we could be reconciled to God through him. If that does not motivate someone who calls him or herself a believer... If that doesn't motivate them to desire to obey, then I would question what they believe. You cannot know that truth, what God has done, the lengths he has gone to reconcile us. You cannot know that truth and believe it and be unmoved in how you live. One more passage, Matthew 7, starting at verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Get away from me, you workers of lawlessness. So again, we see... There are many thinking that they are getting in. But who gets in in this passage? He who does the will of my Father. To those who did not do His will, I never knew you. And to the virgins who had no oil, no desire to obey, I do not know you. And listen, I know many people find the finality of this as harsh and even cold. But when we examine the scriptures and see the extended mercy, patience, grace, forgiveness, and long-suffering of God, His own Son, He didn't spare to draw us to Him. We cannot look at Him as harsh, but only as... See him as ever gracious, extending his mercy and his love towards his creation, mankind. We all have a decision to make. He leaves the choice up to us. He does not force us. He lets us decide. Choose this day whom you will serve. The choice is yours. I am a beggar who found the bread of life, Messiah, Yeshua, telling others where to find it. I appreciate you giving me a listen. The choice to eat the bread or not is up to the individual. So you make sure your lamps have the only true essential oil, the desire to obey and reflect his light. Do that and go out and give them heaven.